Welcome to a Voice for the Horse podcast hosted by Steve Halfpenny. Steve is an internationally recognised horsemanship educator, Melbourne Equitana presenter and lifelong student of good horsemanship. His passion for learning about horses and helping them become willing partners to their owners is only exceeded by a willingness to share what he has learned with horse owners everywhere. Hi everybody, welcome to another episode of A Voice for the Horse. This time we're going to turn the tables and I've got a friend from England, Kaz, that organises all our clinics over there and she is going to turn it around and interview me. So uh, I'd like you to welcome Kaz. How are you going, Kaz? Hi Steve, I'm doing great, thank you. Sitting here, sunny day in England. Yes, well that's nice, it's sunny over here too. So I'll just hand over the, the host to you then and you can host the show today. Okay, great. This will be quite an adventure if I haven't done this before. So I had some ideas about things that people might be interested to talk about and to know about you. Um, I think that people who've been learning from you more recently probably don't know where things all started and how you got into horses. I wondered if you'd tell us a bit about that. Yeah, I suppose totally by accident, I guess, isn't it? Because uh, we migrated from England over to Australia in 77 and pretty soon after that somebody from a church group picked us up from the hostel and took us out to see their friends and he ran his family my wife was uh, some of the friends so you know within a few months we were going out together and then got married and it's like we're gonna have to get horses you know that was one of the conditions <laughs> if you marry me you're gonna have to accept that we're gonna have dogs and we're gonna have horses and gonna have pets <laughs> Did she tell you that before? Was, it, was that before or after you got married, Steve? I, uh, I think it was a condition. <laughs> it was before. It was a condition. But uh, I just thought, well, we'll get a horse. It'd be like having a dog. You know, we'll have horses. I didn't really have any clue of what it was going to involve. So we were working, both working full time, and then I'd come home and Irene had got a horse, so I never saw her. You know, she'd be home from work and then gone to the horses. I'm like, well, this is fun. <laughs> I've been working all day. I come home and there's nobody here. <laughs> so uh, I thought, I'll just get one. You know, Irena can look after it. I'll just get one and go out for rides with her so I can be with her. So it was very much they, they're Irena's deal. They're not my deal. You know, that you look after them and I'll, I'll come out and join you and have a ride now and then. So she was the one that taught me to ride like I had no idea of how to what horses were basically until I met her so that was a bit of an eye-opener for me and that led on to you getting more interested and competitive and it led on to you meeting a very special horse who you practically won in a raffle do you want to tell us about that that is the story isn't it yeah I ended up because Serena would go to Jim Carners and shows at the weekend, and I'd just go in support crew, you know, and help her. And I, I say it was me that saw the Western Ring, and she says it was her that saw the Western Ring first. So <laughs> it doesn't matter who saw it. We just saw two different worlds, you know. The, there was the traditional, I guess, sort of English style riding, where you saw seemed to see a whole bunch of horses that were nervous and fractious and and playing up and. And then you'd have the Western Ring where everybody seemed to be quieter. So I got, I thought, well, that looks more sedate. I'd, I'd like to, <laughs> I'd like, I'd like to get into that. And of course, 
<laughs> it still was sort of interesting, like the green green on green thing. You know, I got myself a green young horse that was had a few rides and thought, that'll do. I'll learn to ride. And learn to show and learn to ride all at once. So it was uh, a lot of bruises, a lot of bumps. Hit the ground a lot of times. You know, people, I have to uh, smile a bit, you know, when people say, they come to me for some help because they're nervous. I think you have no idea where I came from. Mm, yeah, you really understand, don't you? Because you've been there. Yeah, I've been. I remember Irena teaching me to ride, you know, and she had a, a grey Arabian mare. There was Irena loved her, but she was a bit spooky. She said, I'll take you down the local oval and, you know, we'll get you riding. So she put me on her mare. I ride around and there was a hose pipe coiled up around one of the sprinklers there and I guess the horse for the it's a snake or something just shied away and splat down I go and we're sort of old school back then so everyone is like you can't let it win you know you got to get back on so like, oh, okay and I just have to laugh at what I did got back on rode past the hose pipe again splat down I go again <laughs> I think it's four times in a row did the same thing four times fell off four times it's like oh Fancy riding past the same thing that scared the horse four times in a row <laughs> and thinking it was going to work out better. It didn't. And I remember that day just going, I'm going. I just left Irena with the horse and walked home. <laughs> and she rode home quite happily, probably going past the hose pipe. She was fine. I think at that, at that stage, she used to say, I don't know how I'm going to teach you all the things I know about horses, you know, because... So I was just so incompetent around them. And there, yeah, and then got better. Stopped falling off. <laughs> Started to get a lot better at it. And we went to uh, some Western shows. And yeah, and there was a raffle for uh, a service to one of the famous Appaloosa stallions that was in South Australia. So we just did the right thing and bought some tickets. We just didn't imagine we'd win it, you know. And lo and behold, we got first prize, and it's a service to Basil Brush, who was, you know, working cow horse champion of Australia with the Appaloosas. So he was he was a pretty good horse. We didn't even have a mare, you know, so we won the service. Don't even have a mare. So one of her friends said, I've got this mare, we were going to <laughs> we were going to put it down because it's dangerous. You can have it if you want to. We go, yeah, she'll do, you know. <laughs> so we took this Arabian mare that had broken a few people. And put her in foal. <laughs> and uh, lo and behold, a little Appaloosa cult came out, and that was Foxy. And yeah, that was. So he's an Arabian Appaloosa cross. He was pretty hot. And it took us a little while to build a relationship. And that really is where I ended up getting into horsemanship because I needed more. You know, he was just way too much early on. And, and he was just a cheeky little cult, you know. As soon as I turned my back, he'd bite me. I had no idea that he was going to do it, and he'd get me again every time I turned around. <laughs> and I talk about that even at clinics today, you know. People, because I've got one now, you know, youngster that he's nervous, and he'll nip you because he's nervous. And when I give him to somebody to hold, I went, "Here's a lesson in awareness. He will bite you." <laughs> You know, if, you, if you're not watching him, he will creep in and he, he won't bite hard, but he'll nip you. He'll just grab a bit of skin. It still hurts. So, yeah, that, and I started with him and started showing him. He, he became a pretty good 
accomplished show horse. You know, I got into the Western riding and liked training. And at, back then, I didn't think I knew enough to start him myself, and I, I really didn't. So I got a professional to help with him, and he started him. And back then, you know, he, he wasn't even, well, I guess he was three. I, I didn't realize that you shouldn't be starting them that young, so we, we started him young. But he was bulletproof little horse. You know, he's great. And and then Irena didn't really like how I was treating him because the Western world had a lot more discipline and almost to the point at times when some people were just a little too hard. You know, it's like there's no need to be that that hard with them. And she would tell me, I don't like what you're doing. Could you find, could you not do it like that? Could you do it some other way? And I went, well, what other way? She says, I don't know, but I don't like what you're doing. Well, well it's not really helping because I, I don't know another way. And then one year, I think it was in the ninth. Yeah, it must have been late. No, late 80s, 88, 89. Pat Pirelli came to Australia, and he, you know, back then the rodeo guys brought him out because Pat used to be a, a rodeo cowboy, and he didn't have a system, he didn't have anything going, so the local rodeo guys in Adelaide had brought him out, and he went, went "You got to come along to meet this guy." So just watching him for a little while, I realised I didn't have a relationship at all with my horse. You know, I I was the I was the boss, basically, and I. I'd make sure he did as he was told, but he was always trying to find a way of not doing what he was told. And that, that was a turning point in my life where I I realized that he didn't want to be with me. You know, he was just, he was like a slave, I suppose, to me. And and so I always, you know, I always thank Pat for introducing me to that concept of thinking of, you got to learn to think more like a horse rather than you own the horse and he has to do what you what you think he should do so yeah so that was a change and and he led me through that whole natural horsemanship phase of my life you know from a horse that I couldn't ride in a straight line without my spurs on to one that I could ride bareback and bridleless anywhere in the country mm, yeah spectacular stuff wasn't it he was yeah he was yeah, it, it was hard to lose him. You know, when he passed away, I still find it hard to talk about him sometimes without getting pretty emotional about the whole thing. Because he he was the horse that changed me completely. And there's been other changes, like probably almost as big a shifts in my thinking, but he made me realise I had to be a different person to get along with him. The thing I remember is that um, you came over to teach us after you'd lost Foxy and for the whole theme of the year was less. Yeah. Yeah. For a long time after that, it felt like he was on my shoulder, you know, it's saying, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't let me be heavy. You wouldn't let me push, but, but you'd find a way of changing the way you thought without being hard. I suppose you know you've known me for a long time now yeah I don't know 20 years more yeah 1999 <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's been a long while and and if it wasn't for the natural horsemanship we would never met would we so that was and even that whole I was thinking yesterday about how I've met all you guys in Europe 
and I had to think all the way back to how it happened, you know, and I just became involved and became a, a, a very junior Pirelli instructor at the time because I was trying to just learn. I didn't want to be an instructor. I just wanted to be better with horses. So I got invited in and then I went to America. And that's that was the start of it. There was a cult starting course. And all the all our students that I'd got here in Australia had sort of put some money together to send me there. So I didn't even have the flight money. They they all put around and said, well, you can teach us when you get back and pay us back. So they give me the money for the tickets and off we off I went. And you know Ross Simpson, of course. Ross, Ross was over there. And we did this young horse starting course together. And at the end of it, I thought, well, I'm going home. You know, it's all done. We're going home. And I passed the course and Ross hadn't done many young horses. So he said, you need to, you know, Pat told him you need some supervision to help you when you start the first bunch. So he said, Steve will go with you. I went, what? <laughs> yeah, you can go to England. And then I think that year I went to England and then I had to go to Italy because there was one of the instructors, I think it was Dave Stewart, that couldn't go. And I had to go there and do some stuff. And I went, wow, this changed my world from living here in Australia a bit quietly to going and sharing what I was only just starting to learn myself with you guys. And, and then it just evolved and kept going kept learning and i think i draw i think i'm a eternal student of the horse really yeah yeah you're, you're one of the um teachers that um i think a, a lot of uh, people get just stuck in their own reality of you know i know how to do this i don't need to look any further but you have always evolved every time you come back you're teaching us something different and we're moaning because we've been practicing what you taught us the year before but i think i think that's changed a lot because we've got the access to all the online learning that sort of thing but the other thing that has um i notice at clinics is that you're not averse to learning from us as well and i've seen you learn various things from various students as well for example about the Alexander technique and yeah yeah it's easy I think to get defensive if somebody says something that they do it differently instead of going well show me and sometimes they show me I go oh that's cool <laughs> I'll give that a go or yeah I like that but I'll do it a little differently you know so you can add a little bit of how you think it could could improve and they can add a little bit of how they could be in a different place. It's good to be around students that, you know, some of them have been with Philippa Carl, some of them have been with body workers. So you've got from classical dressage to, to Western riding. And then, you know, we met Jeff Sanders a few years ago. Well, probably seven years, eight years ago now. It feels like yesterday. That long ago. Oh, heck. <laughs> <laughs> introduced you to the vaquero which is style of riding the california vaquero which is i'm i'm sort of going along that journey with with gandalf now so you know my i say my new horse he's 18 coming up now so that's uh that's an amazing <laughs> journey i've had with him but he's he's acting more like the california bridle horse and I'd, and again it brings that lightness and softness back into everything you know, the, I keep trying to explain to people that, that true lightness is not possible without the horse deciding to do what you've offered him. 
Yeah. You know, if you're going to use mechanical pressure of some sort, there's going to be resistance and it's going to be heaviness in there. But if you learn to set it up that your horse thinks his way through the situation and finds an answer that helps him, then he's going to weigh nothing and he's going to be light and soft. So I really have to have, I have to have a horse that's relaxed and calm. Yeah. We've been through that process, haven't we, together, all of us, really? Yeah, we have. And it's, it takes ages before things feel obvious. And sometimes when you later you think about what you did and why it didn't work, and now it feels obvious you were doing the wrong thing, you know, and it's like, well, of course it didn't work. Yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, it's got to, you've got to be open to other people and, and other ideas. And even this, the, this podcast thing, you know, I'm going to start trying to talk to different ideas, different trainers, but hopefully with find the people with a similar mindset they're looking for the best way to help the horses and learn from each other and it'd be great if all the the best horsemen in the world would share information and help each other rather than feel that they have to defend their own point of view yes yes i i think that's uh your mind is most effective when it's like an umbrella when it's open <laughs> There's no point having your umbrella shut when it's raining. <laughs> no, no. Interesting conversation. Obviously, try try to avoid them, but online with somebody who'd been told that she should be feeling 10 pounds of pressure in each hand. And I said, oh, no, you that you that's a typo, isn't it? You mean 10 ounces? And she said, no, 10 pounds. I'm working with one of the top dressage instructors in the world. And, and, you know, I just said, well, that's your reality. That, that's your belief. That's fine. And just, you have to keep learning. You do. And if, if you know, I've been over to Europe and I've ridden some of those tough horses now. You don't even have to mention where, but they didn't feel light to me. You know, they could do some amazing things like canter pirouettes and lead changes every couple of strides. But the amount of weight in my hands really bothered me you know that you needed to have so much containment in some way to contain the horse and recently i've been you know you think about life and you go am i being unreasonable to, to expect to get my horse to be able to do all those things and weigh nothing you know because everybody out there basically would say that you you need contact and their version of contact is the 10 whatever it is 10 pounds, 10 kilos, it, it's, amount, it's an amount of pressure in your hands. And if they don't have it, it feels wrong to them. You know, so it's their truth. They're living in their own paradigm. That's what they believe is correct. They're not trying to do anything wrong. They just believe that that's correct. And I was, we've got a little working equitation course here at home now that we've built over the last year or so. And I'm playing around with that, thinking, how am I going to get to canter around this, these drums and around these tight patterns? Have slow him right down. And, and I've been working on that. And we did a almost a canter on the spot a couple of days ago for a few strides. And I just come away going, that weighed nothing. You know, for a couple of strides, it weighed nothing. So it's possible. 
but usually the people that have got a horse that's that light are not going to let you ride it. No. <laughs> it's pretty precious, so you're not going to share that feeling with everybody because you, you're too worried that they'll ruin it for you. Yes, I know that feeling. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite a responsibility. you know. Usually, if I've got my horse at a clinic here, I'm really happy to let them do some groundwork with him because they usually their their belief system changes. So if you can work with a horse that weighs nothing in your hands, even on the ground, it's like I can't believe I didn't even take the slack out of the reins and he's moved. I said, yeah, it's because he's thinking about how to stay off that pressure. You know, he's not moving away from the pressure. He's thinking how not to have any. So, and again, you know, want to you want to build speed. You want to to build like a fast backup, for instance. Sometimes I work cows and I want my horse to move pretty quick so I don't have to turn him around. I just back up. And it's his idea and my idea. It's like amazing. We just do it really quickly. So, yeah, that's supposed my focus. And then I think there's a spiritual dimension to this too, you know, which is, you know, about radar and the, the horse that I, he came into my life. I guess for a reason again it's funny that i didn't the things that i didn't choose to to go out looking for sort of come come out looking for me basically and uh you know i've, I've ridden in equitana at the way of the horse and i've presented there a few times so the team there knew me and they they put on this competition where they were going to capture a bunch of wild whaler horses or brumbies bring them in and give them to different disciplines and see if just to see how good they were because we're trying to save them from being cold. Can we just show everybody that these are really great horses and universal? So they give me a call halfway through the year and said, the, the lady that had this one doesn't want to work with him anymore. He's, he's booked her off a few times, you know, kicked her in the chest and uh, basically she's got no trust for him at all. I went, well, that's pretty serious. You know, if he's done that then, and I suppose that, when when I had that call, I'm thinking, yeah, oh, it can't be very hard, you know. It's probably just a girl source that's got away with all sorts of stuff. Oh, Steve, <laughs> you learned something different. <laughs> Boy, I learned something different. But I'm I'm used to seeing people that can be too kind sometimes. You know, the the horse is taking advantage of their gentle nature, and they're pushing them around and 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 taking over. So I I didn't think for one second that he was going to be so hard to deal with. So he turned up in my life and he came over and he just had that look. I don't want to lie down. I just don't trust anybody. You, I don't want to be rugged and touched or anything. Just didn't want a part of me at all. So I, I ended up laying in the feed bath, you know, with feed all over me going, if you want to eat, you're going to have to at least touch me. <laughs> <laughs> that must have been a sight. <laughs> right. And he, he started to at least touch me, you know, and then it took me down to uh, one of my friends is a bit of a communicator. So she took, said, I want a picture of him. And I took a picture and she said, oh, I think he's got some issues that you need to see a shaman. So I rang Vita LaBelle, that's a, a shaman in, in America. I think she was in the tale of Equus in the, in the book. And she talks about, oh, we need to do this complete journey where we, go back into his past lives and 
and I'm going, oh, sounds like a bit of weird stuff to me, you know. <laughs> and focus, focus. And so, but she had some conditions, you know. She said, you, you've got to work with him and give me a picture every every now and then. And when I think he's ready, then we'll do this complete journey thing. So I worked with him for a little while and he really wanted to hurt me. You know, if he got the chance, he would he would have spun around and kicked you. Like if you weren't really watching him, and give him a bit of slack. He just really had that. I just want to get rid of you. I want to get away from you and go away. I don't like people. So we arranged this telephone hookup. So she's in America. I've got speakerphone now. It's a little yard set up, and I'm supposed to walk around the yard and make sure Vita can hear me wherever I am before I get the horse. She goes, as long as you can hear me everywhere in the yard, then he can hear me. Then we're fine. I said, okay, she's going to talk to him from you know thousands of miles away and that's going to change the world at this moment you're thinking really i don't think this is going to help yeah so but i'm a little desperate you know i thought i've done everything that i physically knew how to do and nothing's getting any better really so i'm thinking well what what have i got to lose give this a go so she's talking to him about stuff and and you know, how he died in previous lives and people had been horrible to him. And it is weird. I'm, I'm getting all emotional listening to this, even though I'm thinking, I don't even know whether it's true, you know, <laughs> but it feels like she knows that he's been through a long, a hard time. And, and that's four hours. It goes on for four hours, this whole session. And then at the end, she said, what is he afraid of as well? He hates my cowboy hat, like the, the, the straw hat, doesn't like that doesn't like to be rugged. You try and get near him with a rug, he doesn't like it. When I put the saddle on him, he's going around in circles to try and avoid me trying to get the saddle on him. And I don't want to cross time, so I just you know, try and drift with him. So she's, well, first thing, go and get the rug. So I go get the rug, and she's got me on Skype, so she's watching what's going on. She said, just throw it at him. I went, he'll just, I've only got a little tape yard set up. He's going to go straight through the yard. She said, no, you'll be fine. Just throw it at him. So, okay, I'm thinking, you'll see. You know, I'll throw it and it won't even touch him. He'll be gone. Like, So throw the rug and he just stands there, lands on him. Wow. Take it off again, throw it on. Just start getting really clumsy with it. He doesn't even move. Like, he's just standing there. Well, okay, he's fine with the rug. So he says, that's one. What else was it? You know, it's the hats, saddles. And he'd booked me off as well. Like he, I really didn't want to ride him. So she went, go and get your hat. So I get the hat, rub him all over with the hat. He's fine. Stick it on his head. So I like put his ears in it, stick it. You know, so it stays on his head. He just stands there. Oh, this is weird. I don't believe this is happening. And she said, got your saddle nearby? I went, yeah. Go and get that. I went, all right. So I go. So yeah, I'm thinking, oh, I don't like this very much. Get the rug, put the blanket, put it on, doesn't move. Put the saddle on, doesn't move. Go around, let all the ladder goes down and cinch him up, he doesn't move. I'm thinking, wow, like I don't believe it. I'm thinking, are we done? Like, is this good now? Are we finished? She went, no, you may, you get on him now. I thought, oh, awesome. This is really not good. what I want to do. I'm not even in my safe place, you know, I'm just... 
out near the shed with a bit of tape around so he doesn't wander off. <laughs> so I get on him, doesn't move, start scratching his neck and rubbing and he's just sighing and blowing and relaxing. Nothing went wrong. Like the whole episode was fine. Amazing. Yeah, stepped off him. I said, how are you? are you? Is he all right? I said, he's great. How are you? I said, I'm not good. <laughs> so, so, what do you mean you're not good? I said, I've, what I've been doing for 30 years, you've just thrown out the window. You know, everything I thought I knew about horses, you've just turned upside down. So she did the same with me. You know, Two days later, she does the soul regression thing with Steve. <laughs> and some of the things she said, you know, I, I thought... I'm like I am, and some of the, the good things or the bad things are actually because of the way I was brought up, you know. And she was telling me stuff that made me realize that if she knows this stuff before I was even born, that I was going to be like this, then it can't be the influence of my upbringing. So I, I sort of decided then, maybe she's right. I'll just be, just say maybe she's right. I'll just go along with it and take the information as true and just act differently. Don't blame anybody for things. And it's just, it was weird. Like after that session, all of our horses were closer to me. You know, I'm just working them. I thought I'm working them the same as I always had. I'm being around them the same as I always had. But they were just way more content to be around me. Wow, that's fantastic. It's it's I don't know what it was. I still don't know what it was, but it was something. And I don't and I don't ride radar now anyway. I went, that's fine, you don't need to be ridden. He's just we just kept him and he's in the paddock and he's a, he's just a paddock ornament. He likes to be fed, he likes to be scratched and rubbed on and be around. So I went, Good, that'll do. It's strange. It's strange how, um, well, it's what we were saying, your beliefs change and what you believe about the world and how things happen change. And so, I mean, that's, I think that's what's great is always exploring new things and being open to new things and learning from them. Yeah, and we've got mutual friends, like, you know, Philip Nye's a friend of ours. And uh, I think he was on that spiritual plane a long time ago, you know, where he's, He's coming at things totally from the horse's point of view without even trying. He just does. So, I, you know, some of the mentors, he was one of my mentors, and it always feels when I think I'm getting up to where he was, he's moved. <laughs> you know, it's like, darn it. <laughs> Last time I saw you, you were doing this, and I finally worked out how to do it, and now you're doing other stuff. <laughs> now you know how we feel, Steve. <laughs> It's a journey, though, isn't it? It really is not a static thing. Yeah, it is a journey. It's interesting you you saying about radar because before we started recording this, I was telling you about my new horse and having been absolutely fraught about not riding after losing horses earlier this year, I found this horse and... Um, I'm just looking at him and I think it doesn't matter what we do. Whatever you like doing, we'll just do it. And I might ride you eventually, but if I don't, it doesn't matter. I'll ride somebody else and you can I'll stay on the ground. And it's that acceptance. Yeah. 
don't quite know how to put it. Well, I remember years ago, Philip said, and we were talking about this at the clinic this weekend. He said, there's a line somewhere nearby that you could always ride your horse. So we're always trying to ride a, you know, a pattern or something like ride the fence line or ride something. And sometimes that's not really available. The horse is worried about the bushes or he's worried about something else. And if you just stayed a couple of meters off the fence, the horse would be fine. You know, and eventually you'd ride on the fence. But, but we're so, humans are direct line thinkers. They want to do what they want to do now. They don't want to do what's necessary to get the horse's mind in the right place so they can do what they wanted to do. And then the horse tells you in a big way that I can't do this. It's too much. And if you don't care about my safety and my survival, that I'm going to look after myself. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. There's a certain way that, um, you know, when we're all together or in the videos, you approach each horse in the same way. And I'll just take my anecdote of how you influenced how I approach horses in the same ways. As you know, I've done quite a lot of hunting, looking for horses over the last few years because of circumstances. And I think you go along to try a horse and then somebody gets on and walks, trots and canters around the arena and then they hand it over to you. And I get on and I go, right, Steve is in my brain. Let's do some serpentines, uh, a walk. Let's push the hind end under. Let's see if we can drift the drift the shoulder out and all this sort of thing and then I think yeah yeah that's really good and the horse is going oh no oh, we haven't done this before and then I go yeah that's great thanks very much and get off <laughs> and they said don't, don't you want to trot and canter like, no no that was that was fantastic he did really good he made a change and I know he can I know he can do that at all gates but today it would be too much to ask for and it, it's just like you're talking in my head when I get on a new horse. Yeah. There's a guy I met in the States, Lester Buckley. And when I was over there, you know, it went to the light horse thing that Eitan Beth Helkemi organized years ago. And he was one of the presenters. And he was, he, you think you've got hundreds of people watching, like I don't know how many people, but it was an international gathering. So you got people from all over the world come to watch him. And his little episode he's borrowing one of eight ends horses and he walked around and around and everybody's watching to see what this great horseman's going to do and he walked around the arena just quietly for about an hour and he says he's not my horse he's eight ends horse i have no idea really how he's trained what all his cues are where all his buttons are i'm just going to ride around and gather information and i went wow how, what an amazing mind you've got to not care who's watching and to really think, I need to know what the horse knows before I ask him to do anything. You know, and then it was a three or four day demo. And by the end, he's doing cancer pirouettes and everything. But it, he, he just took the time it took to work out what the horse knew. And learned to ride the horse the way he was used to be ridden, not the way he wanted to ride it. Because it's it's not your horse, is it? In the end of the day, it wasn't his horse. He's not the he's not there to change things. And a horse, a horse can tell you everything you need to know at a walk. Yeah. 
yeah yeah they, they can you can you can feel that this horse is ready to do things differently already you could do more but if you stop now it'll be better tomorrow that sort of idea yeah i i think when we which i've changed a lot i know when i was first into natural horsemanship i'd walk trot and canter and fly around the place and didn't really worry too much what shape the horse was in <laughs> but now I, I i keep having this thought in my mind what is he learning right now is he learning to be afraid of me is he learning to trust me is he learning to to be confident and i'd like it to be all of those learn to be confident learn to be soft learn to trust me if i get you totally out of balance that can frighten you so why why go faster than you can do in a balanced soft way so there's there's a lot of i guess things that i may have thought were were not applicable to me like the dressage type stuff that that i totally need in my life now you know if it takes six weeks it takes six weeks if it takes if it takes three years it takes three years i remember a little story that uh Tom Dorrance was riding, I think, with Tom Dorrance and Ray Hunt and I think Bill Dorrance all together. And I think Ray was riding a horse that was fishing its tail every time you did something. And, you know, they were just talking about, oh, that's just the nature. He's just a swishy-tailed horse. And I think Tom said, well, just if you did a little less, then maybe he wouldn't swish his tail, you know. And I think he just got him just to clench his toes in his boots instead of putting his legs on in the end and the horse would just go quietly without swishing his tail. And it's like, wow. So he'd always go, no, it's the person. <laughs> the horse is angry, it's the person. Yeah, yeah. So talking of the people, you're still trying to teach us in when we can't get you out of Australia and it's two years now. So... I mean, what, what's your hopes for the students at the moment and in the future? What would you like everybody to be doing and looking forward to? Well, if you've got the time now, because a lot of people have had a lot of time with COVID and everything, then, you know, they, they can't work or they can't work as much at home more. S try and spend time with your horse. You know, you want to get somewhere with him, but there's so many people that come to a course and we'll talk about, you know, what have you done since last time? And it's amazing how many people haven't ridden since the last clinic. And it's almost like the clinic is for them is, is a reason to go out and ride. You know, they've actually forced themselves at least for a weekend to spend a weekend with their horse. I've been home a lot lately, you know, with, with things and I've just watched my own habits you do all the stuff that you that you need to do for the business and everything. You think, I should be out with my horse every single day. I'm home. I, I should not be home for a day when he's here too, when I don't actually go and spend time with him. And I think back to the, you know, I think about the foxy stuff and how awesome he was and how long it's taken me with the Gandalf that I own now. I think, well, Gandalf has not had the time that I gave Foxy. You know, way back then I was into showing, so I I was driven to, to get the horse ridden to get him to the show at the weekend. And even if you didn't want to show him, if you could spend an hour a day with my horse, 
like I did with him. At least every lunchtime I used to ride him because he lived with us on the farm at the time. And then I'd ride him every weekend for for two days. And that's what that's where he got how he got from where he was to where he ended up. So time time is important. Try not to jump subjects. You know, some people go to different trainers every every weekend. Go to a clinic on this thing and then that thing, and I get. But everybody has a different opinion. Like I'll be telling you, you should ride with no hardly any weight in your hands, and somebody else says pull the reins in and push them and kick them up. Well, that is not fair on the horse because you're changing the rules with him every single weekend. And you are confused as well. The riders are confused because they don't know who's right and who's wrong. So I would say pick a style and be consistent and stick with it. You know, don't, if you find something better, that's cool. Find something better, but don't just jump backwards and forwards from one thing to another because horses don't get any confidence from inconsistency. You know, the things I was talking about at the clinic, for instance, were, and they seem really simple to me. I go, two legs means go forwards. No legs means go backwards. Or, you know, if I'm using reins and no legs, it means go backwards. So I don't use conflicting signals. If two legs means go forwards, they they're not going to mean go backwards. If I put one leg on, it doesn't mean go forwards. <laughs> and so if I'm trying to go sideways, why are you going forwards? You know, so it's, it's really simple to teach the horse those things. Yeah. I, I find in, I enjoy the kangaroo crew, your, the monthly videos and everything on there. It helps me to keep in touch with, because uh, I want to learn from you. So it helps me to feel consistent about what I'm doing and have a little chat on Zoom once a month. Yeah. And you were helping me with those as well before I published them. So you probably get to, to, spend more time paying attention to the details of it because you're transcribing it for me so that's i found i found how well you learn if you just sit and make some notes about what you're watching <clears throat> yeah yeah and the videoing yourself i think is a great thing because i i sort of tell people at the beginning now at the clinic how i i think the clinic's going to go and basically <laughs> It goes like this. I'm going to see what you do and explain to you what I see you doing and why I think you need to find a different way of doing things. Then you're going to try and do it. And then I'm going to keep telling you you haven't changed. You're still trying to do things your way. You're trying to do my thing with your cues because that, that muscle memory stuff and the things that you, you've learned in your life take some changing. And I know that personally, you know, when I, when I met Jeff Sanders, I could just see him laughing at me, you know, because he can see how hard I'm trying not to do the things that he's picked up on. I was like, oh, my goodness, I can't even not lean the wrong way, you know, because <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so used to being taught to start with, you know, you lean on the outside of the horse every time you push him around somewhere. And it's like, oh, man, he wants me to be on the inside of the horse. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, so I think understanding that we all go through it, don't feel if you're struggling that the person teaching you didn't struggle. You know, we all struggle. When you're changing from 
one way of writing to another, you'll find yourself slipping back into that old pattern so many times until you've, I smile now because, you know, that's why I know it's six or seven or eight years with Jeff because I look back at how long it's taken me to learn to not ride the way I was riding eight years ago. It's taken eight years. <laughs> to to have it feel totally comfortable and totally natural. Yeah, yeah. That I've got to watch myself and pay attention to myself the whole time. But I think when, you, when you're learning, you do. If you want to change something, you've almost got to talk yourself through every step that you're doing. You know, my feet have got to go in this direction. My hands have got to go in this direction. The tools have got to be in this hand. You know, I, I love the human nature thing as well. And I have such a laugh at clinics now, you know, because I, I want everybody to learn. I want everybody to come away with as much information as they can have. But I'm a realist, you know, I know how much they're going to take in. And when I show them something and they do something totally the opposite, I just like, I, what are you laughing at? I said, that's all right. <laughs> and then you say, is that what you, is that what you asked for? And we just throw the reins down and hands out and go, no. <laughs> is that what you wanted? No. Yeah, is that what you wanted? No. Yeah. As you say, anything like that, we think, oh, no, we've done it wrong again. Yeah. Yeah, I think my latest line is that the way I did it. <laughs> like, like, yeah, <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> That's a really big ask. That's asking us to be able to see what we're doing ourselves. Yeah, we we probably ought to wind this up a little bit because otherwise people will be using this as a sleep aid, you know. <laughs> well, thanks for having a chat with us and uh, sort of turning the tables on me a little bit. Thanks, Steve. It's been really good fun. Maybe we can do it again. Yeah, I think we're all looking forward to the end of COVID and free travel around the world again and all that stuff. But uh, keeps getting pushed out for another six months or another six months. The plans are in place and we even know where you'll be staying for a week or so. Yeah, Irene is asking me, are you going to be going to Europe, you know, in, in 2022? I said, I hope so. <laughs> Please. I hope so. No worries. Well, thanks for doing the interview with me and uh, we'll catch you up on the next kangaroo call, eh? Yep, see you again soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to A Voice for the Horse podcast. You can find more information about Steve at stevehalfpenny.com.